Welcome to the Unconventional Path, entrepreneurship and innovation stories and ideas. Hello, I'm Bala Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Today, we take a slightly different approach to our podcast. We recorded a panel conversation that I was part of uh, a few days ago. And in this panel conversation uh, was uh, transmitted and uh, broadcast uh, on Zoom and uh, eventually on Facebook and YouTube. And there was a total of uh, six people on this uh, panel conversation. And it all focused around small business and how those small businesses are being impacted and reacting to uh, the COVID pandemic uh, that's going around the world right now. So uh, it's sort of, uh, uh, we thought there was a lot of really good uh, concepts and ideas and thoughts in here. So Mike and I decided to take this uh, panel conversation and turn it into a podcast. So it's been an editing uh, challenge and an organizational challenge because this was a video panel conversation. So it was very easy to see who's talking, who's not talking, et cetera. So when we converted it to audio only, uh, it brought some challenges to us. And I think we've uh, uh, handled them uh, sufficiently. Uh, But you may have to bear with us a few times on the sound quality, and uh, it may not be 100% clear who's speaking. uh, But the point is not who is speaking, but what they are saying is where the value is. So let me introduce the panel to you, uh, so at least you know who was on the the panel conversation. So Jeff Buell uh, runs Redburn Development. Uh, He builds affordable housing in the Northeast of the United States. Uh, Antonio Civitella uh, runs TransFinder, uh, which makes school bus routing software for school districts. And he is also the owner of the New York Biz Lab, uh, which you'll hear mentioned a few times, which is an incubator in Schenectady, New York, a business incubator in Schenectady, New York. David DeSalt, uh, who's been on this podcast before, uh, I think back on episode four or five, if my memory serves me correctly, Uh, He runs P1 Industries, which manufactures power-generating equipment um, for the likes of General Electric and Siemens, etc. Then Heidi uh, Noblock uh, runs Plum Oyster Bar and works at Pioneer Bank. Uh, She mentioned something called the PPP, which stands for the Payroll Protection Program. Uh, and this is a financial relief program for small businesses introduced by the United States federal government in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So in her role at Pioneer Bank, she works very closely uh, in that program. Uh, and it's designed to help small businesses to continue to meet their payroll and other expenses as a way to limit the economic damage uh, to this very important sector of our economy. Um, another panelist was Rich Honan, uh, who's been a guest on this podcast numerous times. Uh, he is a partner at Phillips Lytle LLP, which is a regional law firm and also the sponsor of this podcast. Um, and Rick DeRico uh, and I served as the moderators for this panel conversation. Uh, and Rick DeRico is the uh, managing director uh, of the Biz Lab, which is this uh, business incubator located in Schenectady, New York, and also works as TransFinder, 
uh, also works at TransFinder as their director of public relations. So it's a long list of panelists uh, and, and conversation, but we thought, Mike and I really thought there was a lot of important points uh, that were, were made during this uh, panel discussion. So that's why we wanted to bring this to you in the form of this podcast. Great, Bela. But before we begin, let's share with our listeners that the podcast today is brought to you in part by the law firm of Phillips Lytle LLP. This is a sponsorship that makes a lot of sense to us, Bela. You know the firm well, don't you? Boy, I sure do. Uh, and Rich Honan, uh, one of their partners, uh, is on this panel. Uh, and I've worked with uh, Rich and his other partners at Phillips Lytle for over 20 years. And uh, I have found that their attorneys take an entrepreneurial approach uh, to legal matters, and they have a long history of success with startups. So we thank Phillips Lytle for their support of the entrepreneurial community and their sponsorship of the Unconventional Path podcast. Great, Bella. So with that, now let's move to the panel discussion. Well, thank you all for agreeing to participate on this panel. And uh, thank you, Rick DeRico, for uh, putting this all together. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, we thought we would try this panel uh, instead of our once-a-month in-person New York Biz Lab Clarkson University Lunchtime Entrepreneurship Series. Um, since we are on lockdown, we cannot do that uh, in person on a monthly basis anymore. So we thought we would uh, take some of the former speakers uh, who have been on, on the uh, monthly event and bring them together in this panel and uh, have a conversation about how things are going uh, these days uh, with the results of the COVID uh, lockdown and its impact that it's had on all your businesses. So uh, thank you very much for agreeing to do this and uh, for participate, participating in this uh, online version. Uh, so take it away, Rick. But I just figured there's a lot of wisdom in this collectively in this group. Um, and so I thought, you know, let's first of all, I wanted to go through the whole group and just ask personally, how is everybody doing personally? And then a little bit about how your patterns in life have changed, if they have. And then just get to some wisdom stuff. So I know like Rich, you put out some stuff. I know your firm has put out some some legal stuff that might be beneficial. Um, Heidi, I know you know the, uh, I want to make sure I get the name, the Paycheck Protection Program. Mm -hmm. and, you become, and I also, you know, you also still run Plum, right? Or you're still the owner of Plum. Mm -hmm. So you've got the business angle. Tony made a couple changes going on to TransFinder, not too much over there. Uh -huh. And um, Bela, you know, he's retired, so no, no, nothing seems different for you, probably, <laughs> right? So, um, and, and Jeff, of course, um, with construction and all these other laws and the questions about what's, uh, what's considered, um, you know, what's permissible, what's not, and that kind of stuff. Thanks for that setup, Rick. Okay, so why don't we start with Rich Honan. Go right ahead, Rich. Yeah, like everybody else, getting used to working out of the office, which we all thought we could do pretty seamlessly and then found out we kind of couldn't. Uh, and uh, the idea of working from home means you're working all the time. And, uh, you know, I think everybody's feeling the same thing. Thanks, Rich. And uh, hey, Dave DeSalt, I think uh, you should go next. In fact, we've come become so much closer as a family with eating dinners together and playing games together and doing homework together. So it's been really interesting. You know, I, we hate being isolated, but, you know, we like being together and really uh, growing together as a family. So we're super, super blessed. Uh, patterns, you know, from, from a work perspective, you know, the first couple of weeks, 
when the governor is, you know, really adjusting policies as they were learning new data and so forth was really complex for us because, you know, are we essential, not essential? You know, we have, you know, 50,000 square feet of factory space in Schenectady. How do we make those adjustments and keep our people healthy and safe? So those patterns were really murky in the beginning, but have normalized now over the last couple of weeks. Um, so other than having four kids fundamentally being homeschooled with, you know, by my wife and late night homework, I think, uh, Everything else is pretty normal so far, so but we're blessed. Thank you, Dave. And uh, Heidi, how would you like to go next? So my life is not the same. Uh, probably will never be the same. So um, I work for, for those of you who don't know, I work for Pioneer Bank and also own Plum Oyster Bar. Pioneer Bank, we got our um, paycheck protection program up and running um, pretty quickly, uh, and uh, I've been helping out, out with that with this awesome team that we've put together there. So um, we have a, a, just under 400 applications that have come in, and so that's a massive um, number for us. So we're working through that every day, kind of. I started working on it at 6 a.m. today, and um, I am going to give myself a break tonight, so I'll, I probably won't do any more tonight after this, um, but it is definitely like a massive effort uh, on behalf of the bank for the community. So I'm really, really, really proud to be a part of that, and I'm really proud that I had a hand in putting that together. Can we so, get some of that? So we'll circle back with you to get some of the, you can give us some of the nitty gritty, some people questions. Yeah, people. absolutely. Yeah. I've been doing calls with a lot of different groups on like just kind of what the, the PPP loans mean for them. Yeah. Um, all of that and happy to, happy to do that for sure. But um, I think, I think the way that I feel at Pioneer and as a business owner is that the ground is kind of ever shifting right now. Like the rules are changing for so the PPP uh, loans were, a lot of rules have shifted in that. So um, every single day I'm making mistakes just inherently by doing my job. And that doesn't feel good long-term to every single day uh, make hard decisions and mistakes. And every single day that's happening 10 times a day. And so uh, just by nature of the ground moving. Yeah. So that doesn't feel super great. Plum Oyster Bar is closed right now. We did a COVID-19 cocktail club where for our um, guests, we offered four weeks of cocktails that they get delivered every Saturday. And so we're on our fourth week of that. We really thought we would be open after four weeks. So we did not elect to uh, do another one, but we have, um, <clears throat> it was a really good program because we charged 300 bucks for um, six cocktails a week for four weeks. So that worked out to like 1250 a cocktail and we delivered them and it just gave an injection of like $10,000 into the business before we um, like really had to shut down. So that was great. Yeah, that yeah. was a creative approach. Yeah. But it was, did you have to furlough them? Or are they going to try to bring them back? <laughs> yeah. So I furloughed all my employees on March 18th for 60 days. So the goal is to bring them back on May 18th. And so um, my PPP loan is going through a different institution because I'm a key employee at Pioneer Bank. So um, that process is kind of like yet to be determined um, just because most institutions are taking um, their own customers first, but my only bank is Pioneer, but I, I can't apply through them because I'm a key employee. So um, I'm very lucky that our friends at the Bank of Green County are going to put forward um, the application for Plum Moisture Bar. Awesome. awesome. 
Well, thanks for that, Heidi. And hey, Jeff, uh, how about you? I think that it's been a very uh, interesting couple of weeks. I am uh, more of the um, the dreamer on the side of my team. And so uh, typically my day-to-day revolves around what are we doing next? Uh, and I've had to shift into, you know, how do we keep 100 plus employees employed um, and not furlough them? And, um, you know, much as what was described before for a while, you know, construction was an essential business and then uh, it shifted and that causes a lot of shifting. Um, the PPP program is interesting. Um, I'll say that we filled out the applications four separate times. And as Heidi said, they keep changing. Um, we've actually switched uh, financial institutions a couple of times uh, to try and expedite, um, you know, what it is we're trying to get done. Um, and uh, yeah, overall, I think Redburn's doing okay. Um, uh I, I've been telling people for months that our $80 million investment was uh, six months ahead of schedule and under budget, uh, which never happens. And apparently it's never going to happen. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, uh, that takes a little uh, adjusting, a little getting used to and recalibrating. We've shifted our focus over the next year as to what we're going to do. So we're going to start to pick up some smaller projects. You know, we're very cognizant of, uh, I think lending is going to look differently um, over the next 18 months as we come out of this and um, banks are not going to be as aggressive as they've been over the past six or seven years. Um, so it's important to make sure that you're uh, not caught flat-footed doing that. So I think um, in general, our company prides itself on being able to pivot quickly. And whereas we were pivoting once every six months, we're now pivoting you know, once every six hours. Um, so Bela, how life changed for you and, um, and how are you doing first of all? And so, yeah, um, myself and my wife and the, the kids and the grandkids are all doing well. Uh, as some of you may know, uh, my, my, one of my sons and my daughter-in-law are both emergency room physicians in, uh, at Brown university in Providence. And they say it's pretty crazy. Uh, their lives are, uh, very crazy right now. Um, so I sort of feel like I got convicted of a crime. So you've been convicted of a crime. You're under house arrest. Yeah. So, so, so as I've been convicted of a crime and I'm under house arrest, the only thing missing is the ankle bracelet. Okay. Right. Because I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. Uh, it's uh, uh, but in, in all in all real perspective, it, it really hasn't impacted my life all that still much. Going right? for your runs? You still doing your morning? Run? I, I am. Okay. I am. Right. I always ran by myself, so that's no big deal. Uh, I, I still do my runs and uh, can't see the grandkids. Now, it's interesting. My my 94-year-old mom, who is in assisted living place, they are truly on lockdown. So I can't go see her. Right. And if I want to drop something off, I like drop it off in an alcove, you know, and yeah. the doors are locked. Yeah. And then someone later comes up and picks it up. So it's like going to see her in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so but anyway. You know, things are okay so far. Okay, and then Tony, how about you? How has life changed for you? Ooh, how did it exactly. change for me? That's uh, there's a lot of changes. Um, I think we're, uh, I have to say, we are blessed as a technology company that uh, the week of, uh, uh, of course, Friday 13th, it was a date that we'll never forget, March 13th, that whole entire week. We made a lot of quick decisions. I remember on Monday morning, we decided not to, we're going to cancel everything. All these trade shows that we've already, you know, we already booked a year in advance. We were, I mean, 
And this is where we live on trade shows. We do about 40 of those a year. So this is our season. It's actually called our shopping season. It's when people buy our software to get running for the school year. And so I started canceling Monday morning. We're starting notifying. We're not going. We're not coming. We're not coming. So, of course, even our salespeople were saying, I was going to meet that person. I was going to close the deal. Like, what do you mean? We're not going. So we canceled everything. So then, of course, as just starting to get this spidey sense, and I think you guys have heard me about this. Like, you know, this 60% of the time, I'm 100% right. So, right? And it's like, uh, I just feel it's like, ah, so like we got to move everyone out of the office. So I remember Friday morning, the 13th of March, I had a meeting with all the managers and it was serious. It's like, guys, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to become a remote company, 100%. Everyone's going to get this beautiful box and they're going to get everything. They're going to get everything inside this box, even an HDMI cord. And I have pictures and Rick and I have pictures that we're not ready to post. And guys, within four hours, we were able to get 80 people out the door. It was just a beautiful thing. But as a CEO of the company, I told everybody, just do your job. Everyone's got their job. Everyone's got their job. Just do your job. And as my job, right? my job is to make sure we're alive. Now, I right? want to get to the company stuff, but I also just want to ask personally, you still waking up the same time, going to bed the same time, all that, or has your daily? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So therefore, and I remember that my job is to make sure that everyone that walked out the door that day, they're going to come back. That's my job because that is my job as the CEO of the company. I let everybody know. So no, Rick, I get up around six. I'm usually the last person in the office. I would stroll in around nine o'clock or so. I'm ready to go. We're on these go- meetings immediately at six, eight o'clock in the morning. I'm already up. And I usually go to sleep around midnight to one o'clock in the morning. And I'm not talking about four times a week. It's seven days a week. And we are working so many hours. We had to pivot. Like you said, Jeff, I think we're, we're pivoted so many times. You know why? Because we got to survive. And I tell you, we're, we are blessed in so many different ways that we're able to, to figure out how to get hold of our clients. And I tell you, it is very difficult. And one thing that we've learned is to keep communicating with everybody. And employees, are, they're nervous. Listen, we're nervous too. So if we're nervous, imagine how our employees are, right? So Jeff, I know you're feeling. And so we're, we've been over communicating. I think that's been the term. Yeah. So um, yeah, good. life has changed a lot. And I think we're all going to become, we just, as long as we survive through this, we'll, we'll be better. So that was a really good sort of general overview of what's going on in your lives. Now let's drill down a little bit uh, for some of you, a little bit more to your business. Uh, so Dave, can you tell us uh, what's going on in your business and what things you've changed? Yeah, you know, uh, a couple things. First and foremost, uh, I, you know, my my office is typically separate from the manufacturing locations. We have two in Schenectady and one in Denver, uh, so I'm not really present in the factories. But the minute the news started breaking mid March, I immediately moved my office into the factory because I want to be amongst the men and the women that are working there. Um, you know, as, as as things were unfolding in the first one or two weeks, it was you know obviously it was scary for a lot of people, fear and anxiety. And, you know, a lot of the policies in terms of gatherings and stuff started shifting pretty quickly. So we kind of created a war room and there was three or four of us that were really trying to make decisions very quickly, A, to comply, um, you know, with all the policies that were changing, B, to really make sure that we're keeping our folks safe and everything else. 
And we just stayed in constant contact with our, with our guys. And we asked for ideas. And we said, look, everyone's going to have fear. Everyone's going to have anxiety. You know, we're going to continue working. When we went through the process with ESD to become an essential business and, you know, designated as such, we made some big, uh, quick decisions to go to a seven-day work schedule. Uh, we went to three and a half days and three and a half days and split the shifts. So there's less, you know, 50% less people on the factory floor at any given time. So we go 12 hours Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, six on Wednesday and split to the B shift through Saturday. That's all for um, the social distancing reasoning? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So we have an average of about 15 to 20 feet between employees and the shop floor. We sent the administration home to work, finance, HR, uh, sales and marketing. Um, but in terms of communication, one of the things that we did, you know, I believe in crisis or any time, you really should communicate with empathy, number one. You know, a lot of people have fear and anxiety. They don't have some of, you know, the same value system or maybe the same belief system that, you know, each one of us have. Um, they don't have the same perspective in terms of the crisis. Uh, so, you know, I believe you, you, you communicate with empathy, with truthfulness and with frequency. So one of the things we did is we created a, um, a, uh, an email, a large email group that includes all the employees from Denver, all locations in Schenectady and all of their significant others. And the reason we did that is every Saturday or Sunday, we send out emails Hey, here's what happened this week. Here's where we are in terms of job security. Here's how we're complying with policy changes. Here's what we're doing to keep everyone safe, social distancing. We hired a firm to come in seven days a week to disinfect the factories each and every night. Um, you know, so we're being very, very diligent about those things. And what's interesting about that is we actually asked the spouses and significant others to share ideas with what we can do in the, in the business and the operation to continue keeping people safe. And actually, we came up with an initiative called uh, Love Your Neighbor. And so one of the things that we started doing to get everyone engaged in the community, we, we hand out $2,500 of grocery cards every Friday. I hand deliver those to people in the community, widows and elderly people. I could do 25 tomorrow morning. Uh, and then we, we pick a restaurant every week and we, we buy meals for all the employees and their families with one restaurant every Friday. And then uh, we're also, uh, we're 3D printing masks and distributing those to nurses and doctors in our community. Wow. So it's really created this whole community ecosystem that includes all the spouses and significant others uh, to be part of the, some of the things that we're trying to do for our community and stay safe. Thanks, Dave. It's really nice to see uh, how your business has shifted around and that uh, you have gotten even more engaged with the community. Uh, that's really great. And that's something that, you know, I think small business owners need to take to heart. Uh, so, Jeff, uh, you have uh, lots of tenants, lots of apartments. Um, how sort of, uh, has your business changed? What things have been a really big challenge for you? Cause I feel like the one place we have struggled with is communication. Um, we have a much younger company. Um, I'm 40 and I'm like the oldest guy in the whole place. Um, and so I think as a result, we missed the boat on communicating to people really well. Um, we're trying to fix that now. For the most part, um, we've been able to keep everybody. We furloughed a couple of people. We let a couple of people go because work was obviously going to drastically slow up. Um, I think that uh, what we didn't want to lose sight of, I think it was really great what we were just talking about. And I'll let Heidi talk a little bit about this too. But Heidi called me shortly after this started. And, um, you know, uh, the two of us got together with our friend Dominic and uh, Jessica and started a, a program called Tip Your Bartender. Um, and, uh, to date we've raised over $10,000, um, for local servers in the wow. area, uh, that just were completely out of a job out of nowhere. And, you know, I know Heidi feels that pain incredibly, uh, well having to like, you know, talk to dozens of people. And for us, we looked at it as, um, let's assume that we're going to be stuck inside for 60 days. Uh, how do we orient our company to 
survive the shipwreck that that 60 days creates um, and then be able to step off of the boat afterwards and keep going. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's when we talk about a pivot. It's like, what is this going to look like? And so for a while we were like, ah, oh, this is fine. The governor's keeping construction open. Um, and you know, we were, you know, I, I use the number all the time cause it's staggering, but we were spending $150,000 a day in downtown Albany, um, just constructing. Uh, and so to have that just stop is, you know, the faucet, the governor has been talking a lot about when do we turn the faucet back on? I mean, it's a literal faucet, right? Like it's a, the economy jolted to a halt and our entire business model is built on, uh, let's rebuild our urban cores with residents and bars and restaurants and retail shops. And all of that just disappeared, forcing a conversation of, well, is it going to come back? Uh, and you know, I think we're optimistic that it's going to come back, but it's, uh, it's not an unscary thing for sure. And so, and how have you been communicating with your team to keep them? Is it every day, every week, or how, how do you, now that you're, you said you've been working on that to keep them up to, up to speed? Um, you know, we're blessed to be a small enough company that you can, you know, it's over a hundred people, but it's, it's segmented in different divisions. And so, you know, we made the decision, let's, let's not lose focus. And, um, let's remember that we're small to talk to people individually. Uh, and so yesterday when, you know, I took an hour in the morning to just call, you know, the six or seven people that report to me daily and say, give me, you know, 10 minute rundown. How are you? How are things? More importantly, like, how are you as a human being? And then I'll email you tasks and, you know, you're 22 or you're 26, or you're 28. You don't want to talk to me anyway, but I'm going to force you to spend 10 minutes of, uh, yes, I'm okay and, and everything's fine. Tony, how about you? I know you're doing nightly notes. That's one thing. You're popping in on a lot more meetings. Tell me a little bit about your communication. and. Uh, well, I, I think the most important thing is that, uh, listen, we've had a lot of people that uh, – we're questioning, what are we doing? You know, what, why are we even trying to contact our clients? You know, they're busy. Some of them are, are not there. What are we doing? Why, why are we even putting any effort? So they've definitely have had to uh, struggle with those kind of people saying, these are, they're not going to be there. Well, so one thing that I realized that whether it's your client or your prospects, you call them up. You know they're not going to buy anything from you, but you know something? Don't, they'll remember, like, you mean you only call me when you know you could buy, I could buy something from you. So they're going to remember that. So I've been saying, like, listen, call them up. You know, they're not going to buy anything from you. But if you only call when they could, when you could buy something from them, they're going to remember like, ah, so Tony only call me when I knew I had some money to spend. So we're calling everybody. We know they're not going to buy anything. So it's been a really um, a change in our, uh, on our behavior that, we got to call everybody, and it's a lot, a lot of empathy. We're dealing with, with schools that they're not transporting students to school and back. They're transporting meals, food. There's 25 million students in this country that need breakfast and lunch every single day. So they were going to school to get that. They were, you know, obviously, they're getting education, too, but they're missing that. So a lot of our clients had to pivot to bring food to their house, bring a Chromebook so they could have the remote learning. So we've helped so many different things, but no communication is about 
if there's like one little success, I got to tell everybody because that just gives us hope. Hey, it's not business as usual, but business is happening. So that's been the theme in man. It's a nightly. I remember sending emails on Saturday, Sunday. It's every night, every single night. There's a long email. And I'm sure most people are like, Oh my God, why is he sending such a long email? Because I want to just, I pour my heart into that. And it's not, and these aren't like past. These are kind of just the highlights so that everybody kind of feels good about. And you know, it's, some of them are just success. And I think everyone has successes in our day. Just share it. Just figure out how to do it. Text message, call, whatever you're going to do. Right. That's good. That's good. And the one thing that Tony did in the other day in a meeting was, uh, you know, one of the guys on the team knew somebody personally who had coronavirus. You could see he was, he said, I'm sorry, I'm not in my right frame of mind right now. And Tony was like, you know, get out of the house for a while. It's okay. Get some sun. And it was one of those sunny days. And, you know, that goes back to what Dave said about empathy as well. Uh, thanks for that uh, insight, Tony. Uh, that was really good. So, uh, Rich, uh, what are things that uh, you have tried to focus on? You know, you're the managing partner at the large Albany office here for Phillips Lytle. And what are some of the things that uh, that you have uh, tried to get folks to do and, and things that you're focusing on? Well, certainly, look, the PPP is, you know, what everybody's talking about. And I'll, you know, defer to Heidi because, you know, she's, she's all over that. Uh, and she's right. The rules would change every day. Heidi, I would not feel bad about making mistakes because what can you do when the regulations say one thing on Monday and then another thing on Tuesday and then the SBA reinterprets? Uh, so don't feel bad about that. We're all, you know, as much about this as anybody else in the world because we all know the same amount. Um, I think uh, one of the, I feel uh, uh, the empathy for like Heidi and Jeff because you're doing a couple of things because uh, I feel like we're in the same boat. You're trying to promote a sense of normalcy to, to the extent you can. You know, I you know I go into dad mode a little bit, same as what you know uh, Tony said. You know, telling people get outside. You know, go walk. You know, go you know spend time with your dog or your, your kids or whatever. Um, not in that order necessarily. Right, yes. Uh, the the uh, but I, but on the other hand, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Heidi's thinking, I'm sure, you know, when are the restaurants going to reopen? You know, what when are people are are people going to? I think of the restaurants down in New York City. You know, where, where you go to those restaurants where, you know, you're you're closer to the people eating next to you than you are, you know, the person you're dining with. You know, what's that going to be like? In our case, you know, the governor, uh, you know, the courts in New York State are shut down basically. You know, so I have. I don't know, 60, 70 uh, paralegals throughout the firm who do litigation. There's no litigation to be done. I wonder, is that going to come back? I'd kind of like to think maybe after all this, people are less concerned about arguing and maybe a little, you know, and and maybe, you know, we'll move more quickly to settle things, which is great for society, but it changes our business model. So same as everybody else, communicating, you know, telling people to take a breath, promoting the sense of normalcy. And just that Tony made a good point. Just talking to people, calling clients. How you doing? Thanks, Rich. That was really nice. So Heidi, uh, I can see on the camera that uh, you're chomping at the bit to say something. So uh, what's on your mind? One thing that I definitely want to say on this call is I I think this whole uh, experience has made it, it so apparent how differently I and I think many women 
run companies from all the dudes who are saying like we like talk now and like send emails and like send out like a, a thing to blah 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 it's like it's so ridiculous in some ways so i'm like yeah didn't you do that already you know like we celebrate small wins and include spouses it's like right like you know a, a company and uh so you know that that's just one thing that i definitely feel like it has to be said i see it all over the papers um but from Plum's perspective, I mean, we are, to Rich's point, we don't know what the future looks like. So we applied for a PPP because I think that that 60-day window will allow us to figure out what Plum is going to be next. So that's what that program is meant for, right? It's, not, it's meant for a runway to take off. So we're kind of on the ground again. And my fear is that we're, we're definitely like not in the same plane. <laughs> Right. So we have to figure it out again before we take off. And that 60 day period of the PPP is really what that is meant to do for companies. And so I don't know. I mean, I've been looking at like, OK, let's um, I, like I called Albany Distilling and I said, OK, we're going to do plum cocktails and cans. Like, can you help us with that? Like, we're going to redo our liquor license and do blah, blah, blah. We're going to do simple syrups. We're going to do bitters. We're going to do shrubs. And so, you know, I'm thinking like maybe the back room of plum becomes like a manufacturing center for like all these new things. And, you know, that pivoting and that like rethinking and retooling it it's not exciting. Does that make sense? Like when, when I've started companies in the past, it has been with excitement. This is with like, okay, we have to figure this out. There's some, don't get me wrong. There's some excitement in that, but it's like, I have to figure out. It's kind of exciting. I was excited when you were describing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is exciting, but it's like, it's nerve wracking for employees. Like I have servers, our servers, I was just going to say, don't tell anybody this, but this is public, but our servers make like $35 an hour, $40 an hour. So what, what are they going to come back into? Right? So I, I can't pay them $40 an hour to do any of the things that I just mentioned. Right. So, you know, what does that look like? And, um, that's just scary. That's just a scary thing for employees. It's a scary thing for just the restaurant and hospitality industry as a whole. And I think it's something that people really, um, like I have people who are in really big trouble. Like I, I gave an employee 150 bucks last week so that they could buy food, you know, a loan. Sorry, I shouldn't give loan, loaned an employee 150 bucks. Kids are watching this. It's a loan. That's right. That's right. It was a loan. It was a loan. But but I sat with an employee for 45 minutes, three separate times on the phone with unemployment. Like these are, this is the, the people who are affected are so affected, like so affected, like cannot eat affected. And so it's just, I'm, I'm seeing that and I'm also seeing the bank side and it's just, there's just a lot, just a lot. Um, I just agree with Heidi most of the time. Uh, <laughs> it's been, uh, you know, we have, um, uh, uh, you know, about a thousand apartments in our portfolio and our entire business model has been built on, we're going to build workforce housing. Uh, we're going to build everyday apartments for everyday people at 80% AMI where they can get back to having their income 
be a, a third of their income being for housing, right? This metric that we lost a long time ago in this country. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a very easy social message to send. Oh, look at us. We're good developers. Um, but really, the, the economics behind the whole thing is let's build a recession-proof product. Cool. That's a great idea. And then all of a sudden you go from we have a good economy to a recession in 14 days and, uh, you know, 10 million people are out of work, 15 million people are out of work. And the people that are affected, like Heidi just said, the people who are really affected are really affected. Yeah, they also don't know how to pay their rent. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, um, there's a problem with our economy. And I think, uh, you know, I, I was having a discussion on Facebook today where the words that are coming out of my mouth now as someone who was, um, considers himself a fiscally conservative person, uh, I, this Jeff would beat up the Jeff of 10 years ago because the things coming out of my mouth are so foreign. But I think this, this in a very short amount of time is forcing people to think about what, what wasn't working that everything just crashed so fast. And in some ways, no one builds their business uh, to turn off the wheel, stop and like don't do anything for two months. Right. That's broken. What's broken is the incredible amount of people who are actually living paycheck to paycheck and the fear that is instilled so quickly when all of a sudden you didn't just lose your job and apply for unemployment, but we don't know when jobs will be available again. Um, the unknown of what is happening, this is not a generational thing. This is like a once in a century thing. Uh, you know, what, what do you compare this to? The, the depression, maybe? Um, that's, that's, the, that's the scary part. And it's the part that generations aren't wired for it. And, and so... Yeah, trying to keep people employed and when's my construction project going to finish? But also, when can we live our lives again? Because we're a nation of consumers and that's what we're really good at. We consume things. Uh, and so when we can't, what are we supposed to be thinking? Uh, thanks for that great insight, uh, Heidi and Jeff. Um, it's um, It was really refreshing to hear some of the things that you guys are doing and uh, how you're dealing with some of the challenges. So, uh, Rich, uh, you have any thoughts you'd like to add to this? As business leaders, part of what we're supposed to be doing is, one, obviously, you know, seeing there's a crisis and responding to the crisis, but also trying to maintain some perspective that it, it truly is a, a one in a set. seems like almost exactly it's a once in a century thing. Um, things will come back. It, it's kind of incumbent on us to push our businesses forward to, you know, to hire back people, even if it cuts into margins, you know, to send people out to restaurants, um, even if it's a little scary at first. And that's, we do, you got to take a step back and say, have some perspective and say, you know, we'll come out of this and, you know, there, there'll be a ramp up. But this was not a systemic, necessarily a systemic issue. Guys, I'm really I, something that I, my biggest takeaway, and I think I've, it completely changed my company, including me, that it's about communication. So, how do you call a client right now? How do you call a prospect? So, that's something that was, of course, I start seeing these email on first thing Saturday morning, like all these companies, Marriott's, you know, from the CEO of the company, like, oh, wow, I got to send out an email to all of our clients. So, I'm thinking, what am I going to tell them? Like, everything else everyone else is saying. So I realized 
I got to do something. And what, what, what do you have that's going to be this big product? So we, we actually started giving away some software. And, you know, it's because this is a, something that's important to them. But also was a good reason for me to have a conversation. Because if I'm just going to have that normal, that everyone's getting emails about, this is all the things we're doing as a company. No, what are we doing for you? People need solutions. So therefore, you could say everything you're doing and how you keep everyone safe. At, at, at this point, no kidding, right? But people want to know what's in it for me. And I'm talking about employees and your clients and your prospects. So that's really what I had to think about and really fast thinking. So, I mean, obviously I could talk all night long about this, but that is my, I have to say, think about what's in it for your client for your employees, for your prospects. That's, it's not about me because, hey, I remember that night, I wasn't feeling good. It's like, wow, this is horrible. But I realized, what am I going to do? I could just stay in bed, continue drinking, or, you know something, I got to do something right now. And so made a lot of decisions. Some worked out great, some maybe not so good, but you got to keep trying. And I tell you, and this is why I, I was able to get my entire team behind it. That was that was really my biggest takeaway. That guys, ladies and gentlemen, we're not giving up. But I need not just me. I need all of you to challenge each other. And I tell you, you guys all have different organization. You can't just put it all on yourself. You can't. You gotta. You pick the. You pick that team. Remember that. There's a reason you picked them. So it's time for. All of you come together. Yeah. So just real quick, Jeff, I just want to make a comment to you about, you know, 120 of our 180 employees are working class, you know, no more than high school education. Uh, typically, you know, a lot of cases, paycheck to paycheck. One of the things that we're exploring right now, you know, and, and, and like I said, we're, we're in a decent situation with regard, and I take it day by day. I don't want to, you know, count our chickens for their hatch, but, um, you know, we're looking at financial literacy tools. You know, how do we really use this as an opportunity and an impetus to, train people to invest in the 401k programs to save 10% of the paycheck, you know, to live uh, within their means. So I'd love to catch up with you on some of that stuff. Cause I have a pretty, pretty big heart and, and, and uh, desire to really see financial literacy, especially in that class. My, my dad was a blue collar guy at GE for 38 years. Uh, he saved, he lived old school, traditional values and, and really reinstilling some of those things, you know, in terms of creativity, I talked a little bit about what we've done locally You know, our business in Denver is a capital goods business uh, produces supercritical CO2 equipment for the cannabis and hemp industries. And the problem with those industries is that you can't get traditional bank financing for the equipment for obvious reasons. Um, you know, whereas in our other businesses, the CNC machine tools and everything else, you get traditional financing and, and, and loans on them. So, you know, a lot of the buyers in that, in that industry typically rely on investment capital and investment capital is pretty much dried up, you know, for anything risky, um, you know, especially in that, in that space, so we've had to get very creative in terms of how we actually fund or finance the machine tools that we're selling into that industry. So we started, you know, it's, it's forced us to put together a small uh, private loan group uh, in order to do uh, high cost leasing uh, with deferral payment programs into that industry. Uh, we, we kind of went into a spot where we booked a handful of orders in Q1 and then uh, in the beginning of Q1 in March, we booked one order and we were averaging about six to eight machines a month at that juncture. So it forced us to get really creative in terms of how do we look at the marketplace, you know, with the changed landscape. And I agree with what everyone's saying. Who knows 
what's going to happen to the market when policy shifts and changes and how quickly be, uh, people go back to normal life, which will probably be a long period of time. You know, when's investment capital going to start flowing? So we had to get super creative on funding and financing our customers. Uh, so we came up with a 50% deposit program with a uh, 25% payment deferral with a private loan group of 25%. We've had a, we had to roll that up in less than 10 days, put a $5 million uh, loan tool together, which we did. Um, and, and brought that to market. We just signed our first lease deal today, actually. And I know that's, that's not necessarily driven, you know, humanity driven, but I think that's a very interesting way of looking at the dynamics of how this is changing industry and investment. And, the, you know, and again, it sounds weird talking about that because traditional loan programs exist in every capital goods industry, but it doesn't in that industry. And how do you survive and how do you keep those 80 people employed out there, uh, you know, by getting creative in terms of how you serve your clients uh, with different, you know, financial tools. One thing that I, so before doing all of this in my past life, I was in academia and my PhD is in history of medicine. And so a lot of this is like looking at what we're living this history that I have read a lot about, you know? And so um, like my, my wife's uh, family, we were all doing a Zoom call and they said, like, so when do you think this is going to be over? You know, like, are we betting, like, early May or June? And my wife was like, don't ask the historian of medicine because <laughs> she's really going to, like, bring you down here, you know? And so it's been interesting because history has always been something that has, like, sobered me. But not it, – it's – it's um, I'm having a bit of cognitive dissonance with – with all three roles, with the banker role, the small business owner, and also this kind of historian role, there's like, it's kind of bringing all three of my uh, lives into one uh, melting pot that is like really intense. So, and I don't drink, so, you know, there's not that for me, but. Thanks for that great insight, Heidi. So, Jeff, uh, you have a bunch of tenants. Uh, are you thinking of some creative ways of being able to work with them? Uh, and I'm sure you have some pretty big mortgage payments as well. Uh, are there things that you're doing uh, to help uh, keep your business uh, moving forward? Um, on the creativity side, I think one of the things that we had to do, because our end customer is just someone we're providing safety to, right? They have a roof over their head, and they want to know that their apartment is not going to give them coronavirus. Uh, and so that's really easy. That, that doesn't require any creativity. Just be the best you can. But we went into uh, a mode of let's hoard all of the cash that we can find uh, because we also don't know who's going to pay their rent. Um, you know, we have over 30 commercial tenants and we received $0 in commercial rent in April. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that was us communicating to them and saying, don't pay your rent. I don't want you to pay your rent because I want you to survive. And I don't want to replace a plum oyster bar um, with a new plum oyster bar because I needed a rent payment for a month. Um, so we called all of our commercial tenants and told them not to pay the rent. Um, and then went to the banks and told them, look, uh, our commercial tenants aren't going to pay their rent, so I'm not going to pay my mortgage. And, you know, it was a, um, it was calculated, right? The banks aren't, they want us, we're going to be the ones that, shepherd it through this process. Um, but it's going to, you know, you have to do the right thing. And so I think that it shouldn't be creative to do the right thing. But, uh, you know, that's the decision we made early on. Uh, and then individually talk to residential tenants. And if they're going to have a problem, let's figure it out. And, you know, 
before the governor said, you can't get evicted for 90 days, we were not going to evict anyone. Um, hey, Jeff, I, I, I want you to be my landlord. I, I just want to say it out loud. You know, do, do you have any warehouses anywhere or any factories? I'm just curious. Well, yeah, no? okay. Thinking, okay. So, so when you, is it delayed rent or are you just going to forgive April? Um, so it'll be a tenant by tenant decision. For the most part, the answer is just, hey, extend your lease three months and we'll throw it on the back end of it. Uh, and, you know, then we went back to banks and said, hey, we're not going to pay our mortgage for the next three months, but the interest will accrue and we'll put it on the back end of it. And, um, you know, we'll um, not pay our property management fees to ourselves and just keep cash on hand so that we can keep everybody employed. And then, you know, hopefully that tenant has a really good experience and that builds the business moving down the road. Well, I got to say it's communication, right? This is something that, you know, I would have these once a year, a couple of times a year, company gathering, we'll have these big parties and I would sneak in some communication whenever there's an opportunity, whether it's a birthday party, maybe it's before Thanksgiving, I have an opportunity to go, all right, let me talk in front of everybody. And I, that's I chose maybe, well, maybe a dozen times throughout the year to really, you know, tell everybody, you know, just go up there and just say a few things. I realized that's not enough. And, you know, as a, as a successful company, that's not enough. And, you know, is every single night before midnight, is that too much? I can't say if that's too much. I feel like now there's an obligation. So that was something that I'm always going to do. And I realized, wow, apparently I wasn't communicating. And as I'm talking to all the team members of my company, it's like, like, where were you? I said that in January. Like, January? It's April now. So I'm thinking, wow, I guess I should communicate more often. It's that biggest, I mean, obviously, there's so many things we're doing and we should be doing and we're blessed and we're, we're all trying to survive. But my biggest thing is, wow, I should communicate every night. And I tell you, I'm not going to bed until I send this massive email to the entire company. You know, Rick, uh, you know, Heidi made a comment about how people are really affected uh, in a lot of different ways. And I know, uh, you know, that that tends to get a lot of focus, especially when there's crisis and issues going on. But one of the things that's really going to shift for us is, you know, my perspective and our perspective as a company. Um, you know, frankly, we've failed our community prior to this crisis in terms of serving them properly and, and giving enough effort, time and energy, money, treasure uh, to the people that live in our community. Uh, so I think from our perspective, you know, this is really, uh, you know, kind of it, engaging us into our community in a really unique way because one of the things we say to our guys, I said, you know, we're, we're, we're blessed and lucky enough to be working now. Uh, a lot of people aren't. Um, so we have to, you know, and again, ideas of trying to give back. So I think after this, we have to make it very intentional to engage in our community and to help those who are impacted, not just in tough times, but just in everyday life. And, um, and so I think hopefully we carry that into the post-crisis, uh, you know, timeframe. So. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? I actually, I want to thank you, Rick, for putting this together because I feel really good. Actually, I feel much better now than I, than I did a couple of hours ago. And here's why, right? You guys are the, you guys are the business leaders in the, in the community. And, and whether you have, you know, five or six people working with you or for you, or you have a hundred, right? All of those people are looking to you for where the hell are we going? right? You have, you have that burden. And I, I find it really fascinating the way that you've all dealt with that in many and different ways, but they all have a core set of values. 
right? So you, got, you guys have gone back to these basic human values and said, what are the really important things to people in the world? And those are the things we're going to focus on and concentrate on, right? Putting a roof over people's heads, making sure they can eat, right? Taking care of Maslow's, you know, base hierarchies, not the, not the real self-aspiration or whatever the hell it's called, right? At the top of the pyramid. So to me, that, that's, that, that is really heartening and makes me feel good, number one. And number two, you know, change always brings opportunity. And, and, and all of you have talked about that. As business leaders, all of you have talked about, so, you know, all right, I can't, I can't mix drinks anymore. So I got to figure out a different way to provide my service or my product to my customers, whether it be people are working from home or whether it be we got to figure out a different way of doing this. And I think if you look back, and Heidi can correct me being the historian here, but I think oftentimes periods right after really troubled times are the most innovative and the most and the best, right? So it's an opportunity because it forces people, number one, to go back to their core values and it forces people to figure out different ways of doing things, i.e. providing products and services to others in more innovative, more efficient, more effective ways. And, and I, I just, that's to me what I see going on here. I got to say the takeaway has to be just try to calm down. And I think as a leader, that's my job. Listen, I could be in my house and, you know, cry in a pillow. But when I'm right there, I can't show that. And that's what leaders are supposed to do. You know, you go there. And then, if, by the way, if you're not in that position that moment, then don't get in front of the camera. But I think the takeaway, we all, we all have horrible days. And by the way, we all got sucker punched on this thing. We all did. It's a sucker punch. But the takeaway is you've got to be solid leader, which means you've got to have, you've got to have your thoughts well put together before you get in front. Now, it's either camera or a phone. I mean, that's my, and if you're not up for it that moment, it's okay. Just don't get on a phone because you set the tone. And I got to, that's, listen, we're all just going to struggle. And, but take away, be clear and precise communication. I can't, I can't overemphasize that. Uh, I think that um, we, we've heard a lot about the people who are, you know, we've been talking economics, but there's obviously the health component, I think 16,000 or some, terrible number that we're up to just in the United States. The number in New York is awful. Um, and we hear a lot about underlying conditions, something like 90, I, I've heard between 86 and 90% of the people who died, you know, had an underlying condition. So as for the startups and the biz lab, I, I think you, you really have to look kind of corporately at your underlying condition and, you know, being, you know, is it, you know, is it lack of capital? Is it, lack of sales? Is it, you know, identify your underlying condition and work as hard as you can to strengthen it or to strengthen, you know, kind of the infrastructure around it. Um, and, you know, be as ready as you can for, you know, the most unexpected thing. Yeah. So I'd say uh, to startups and small you know, businesses that are just getting going, you know, one of the things I love about our country is one of our values that we're highly resilient. We're hyper entrepreneurial you know, we rise to the occasion. We have soul in this country. Uh, you know, we've been through some tough times in the past. This is different. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we don't know how the, uh, you know, pathway to normalcy is going to look. 
what I often tell young entrepreneurs and, you know, I tell a lot of the, uh, you know, I sit on the board of our church. I sit on the board of our school. We've had, you know, have a lot of these conversations. I always tell her plan for the worst, but hope for the best. Don't lose hope. You know, hope is not dilutive reality. Some people say hope can sometimes be something that is not real, but I think because of our value system, because of the things that our country has come through and how resilient we've been and how quickly we bounce back and adjust and make shifts and changes and are just entrepreneurial in terms of how we solve problems, you know, we're going to emerge from this thing stronger and better and smarter and maybe, uh, you know, equipped to deal with these things better in the future, but don't lose hope. You know, there's, there's going to be tough days. You know, you talk about all the small businesses around here. There's going to be times we don't know how you can make payroll. You got to lay people off. There's going to be tough times and tough days. Plan for the worst, but don't ever lose hope uh, because this country is resilient and we will get stronger, better, faster, and smarter as we go forward. I think I would just say never let a good crisis go to waste. And so, um, you know, that's really the takeaway is that right now the rules are being rewritten. So you can be part of that. So you can be part of that rule rewriting. And so um, as you're pivoting and all this, it's, it's exciting. It's stressful, but it's exciting, right? So I think that having startup companies not lose, because startups are already exciting, right? So this stress, it can, this stress can sometimes inject excitement into an existing business. For startups, they're already excited. So Rich can speak a little bit more about that. But the other thing is, I, I would say the second piece of advice is what Rich said to me in the beginning, is that because all the rules are being written right now, you're you're going to make mistakes. And that's okay, because the rules were different than, you know, you, you just are going to make mistakes. So that's okay. Yeah. Um, so I would say if you look back at the 08 um, Great Recession, that's kind of I started in real estate shortly after that. And one of the things we saw was an entire generation of people saw their parents lose their value in their homes and had a huge shift in behavior. And that's really what drove our urban revitalization over the last 10 years. It was millennials who wanted an experience. They didn't want to be tied down to a house. And so the cost of housing went through the roof because there was a market there to pay for it. I think there's going to be a doubling down on that. Um, I believe that the idea that cities are too dense won't really fly, particularly in tertiary secondary markets like Albany. Um, our cities will continue to boom. And I think that if I was talking to young entrepreneurs and startups, it would be hyper-focus on the experiential part of your business and what you can do to make people uh, have that feeling because I, you know, I was sitting around my apartment the, the other day and I'm a minimalist. I do not have a lot of stuff. Like my background is my windows. Um, <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking, why do I have so much crap? And, um, you know, I'm on the outer edge of that, uh, generation, but I know that, uh, the experience side of humanity, particularly if Heidi's fears really come true, if this ends up being a roller coaster where we go in and out of something, people will begin to spend the majority of their income on I'm going to live life. Well, folks, uh, we've been at this uh, just about an hour. And then to keep with our tradition uh, for these uh, lunchtime uh, talks, not to exceed an hour, uh, let's try to wrap this up. And uh, I have a few thoughts I'd like to share with you all. And, uh, and then I think we can uh, all say uh, good evening. As human beings, we have this responsibility, right? So whether, whether it's our family, 
whether it's our friends, the people we work with, uh, they feel, they can sense what you're feeling, right? They, they can, they can look at your face or, or, you know, they can tell, uh, so they, they can, they can sense the energy that's you're vibrating out, whether it's positive energy or negative energy. And I think, you know, when times are good, it's easy to, it's easy to vibrate out positive energy. And I think during these times, it's particularly important that we think about that energy that we're, we're emitting from our bodies because all of those people that I just mentioned are actually looking to you, to looking to us, right, for, for guidance, for inspiration, right? My kids have called me more in the last three weeks, you know, than, than, than ever. And, and you know, I can, I can tell that they're, they're like struggling with stuff. Uh, emotionally. And, and so, so, you know, you got to think about that and, and yeah, I have the times that I crawl into my closet and I, and I deal with those things. Um, but I think it's, it's a real responsibility that we have to, to others in the world because we, we have no choice. We, we fundamentally have to get through this, right? Cause, cause the option is not all that, all that nice. So we have to figure out a way to get through it. And we're going to figure out a way to get through that by working together, doing things like this, sharing ideas and thoughts, and sort of saying, you know what, we can do this. And if we do that, I think if we do that well, it helps other people focus. And that positivity rubs off on them, gives them confidence, and then they can move forward as well, both mentally and physically, and they have the energy to do that. So that's what I think is, is to me, my takeaway and sort of my reflection of what I've learned from tonight and, and being able to reflect on it and, 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 and saying that that's really important and very valuable. Gosh, folks, uh, really good insight here uh, this evening on this, uh, on this online call. Um, I think that, you know, you guys have all shared uh, what's going on and um, it's been really, really excellent. I think there's a lot of great learning points and learning values in here. And uh, I truly thank you all for participating uh, in this event. Again, thank you very much, Rick, for putting it together uh, and organizing it. And uh, thank you all for your participation and your contributions. Good night. Bela, that was an intense conversation. What do you think? Do you want to take a crack at wrapping it up and coming up with some summary points? Uh, yeah, I'll give it a try, Mike. Uh, it sure was intense, uh, but I found it to be very enjoyable and really thought-provoking. I thought the big uh, takeaways for me were, uh, this is a time where you can be, you should be innovative and creative. Uh, once you can man manage the challenges of making sure your people are safe and out of harm's way, it's time to roll up your sleeves along with your fellow coworkers and figure out how to continue your business. I think you heard that numerous times mentioned by the panelists. Uh, where they're really sort of focusing inward within their business. Uh, they're also focusing on their customers, uh, making sure they're communicating and interacting with their customers. And uh, so I thought this was a really big point. Be innovative and creative. Number two, the rules keep changing. Okay. Uh, and and we, we heard about this, you know, it, in times of crisis uh, that we have right now going around in the world, the rules change. Not because people just want to change them, but because they have to change. We get more data, we get smarter, we get more information, and we find that things that we were doing were maybe not sufficient, 
or that things that uh, there are new things that we need to do. So keep talking uh, to your support folks, your own sort of internal network of individuals. Uh, share with them the challenges you're having. Uh, give guidance to each other. Uh, take advantage of any assistance programs that uh, the municipalities or that your government is providing. Uh, and, you know, as we did with this panel, you could hear the various different leaders of these companies learning from each other, right? And they were commenting back and forth to each other on what they were doing and how it was helping them. And, and I know each of them had a few takeaways that they then took back with them to their businesses. So talk to your fellow small business owners, uh, get together, have some conversations, uh, have virtual cups of coffee, uh, and, uh, and share your challenges and, your, and what you've learned. And thirdly, I think I want to say, stay positive and stay focused, right? It's times like these when we desperately need great leadership, uh, which means empathy, keep calm, keep cool, make firm decisions, empower people, right? This was another thing that really, really came out. You know, you let people, you've hired people in your business. Uh, you hired them to do specific things. And it's a time for them to grow and it's a time for you to grow, which often means letting them take more responsibility and make decisions and have you delegate things. And you focus on the things that only you can do. Um, and, you know, I think the, the last thing I want to say is all of this is about helping people, helping each other, uh, and, and keeping all of us sane to some level and getting through this. And, and, and as in any crisis, uh, this is when people pull together, whether it's within your family unit or whether it's in your extended family unit or whether it's in other, torp other types of organizations you belong to. This is the time to uh, talk to other people and share ideas and thoughts. It's not the time to crawl into your turtle shell and hide. So that's what I would say is sort of my uh, takeaways, Mike. How about you? Did you have any? I thought it was great to hear. These are people that are all on the front lines. And I think that, you know, our attention is rightly focused on, I think, our healthcare professionals, right, who are really in the, in the, the front lines, delivery people, things like that. But these are all people that drive... Um, you know, as you mentioned, the really important part of the economy, which is our small businesses. And you and I have, um, I think it's fair to say, are, are longtime advocates for small business owners, uh, longtime advocates for entrepreneurs. And they're, um, they're being hit hard by this uh, in a lot of different uh, sectors of the, uh, of the economy. Um, and it's, I think, great to hear how, yeah, they're struggling and draw some attention to that. Uh, but also to hear how they're developing solutions and how to help the economy rebuild and our society, the fabric of our society rebuild. Um, so I think this is really, um, I mean, I think uh, a positive, you know, we can take some positives away. And I think that it's important to remember that if you can, and as you are, uh, everybody's in their own personal situation here in terms of their finances. Um, but if you're in a position to support your local small businesses, grow and meet their payrolls, there's a big ripple effect. These are not um, entrepreneurs for the most part that are buying corporate stock pack and are, you know, making the stock market float higher and not helping your 401k and things like that. But they're people that employ people in your local economy. They're, they're keeping the, the fiber of your communities open, the, the restaurants, the, the small shops, uh, things like that are really important and small manufacturing, 
right? That these small factory jobs are places where uh, people work every day and make good livings and have their health insurance for. So I think it was great to hear from them, Bella. And I'm, I'm really appreciative for you and Rick, uh, to you and Rick for putting this together and for, I think, giving some people who don't make, get a lot of media attention, uh, getting a little bit of attention and, and, and hopefully um, we, uh, our listeners will go out and show their thanks by supporting these small businesses um, as hopefully things start to come out, uh, online soon. Um, so that's that's it. It's another one of our kind of series. We've really pivoted quickly during the COVID crisis and hopefully bringing some um, interesting um, information to people who are uh, challenged by the current situation. And even if you're listening to this a year or two afterward, you can look back and see from a historical standpoint what was going on at this time and how people were feeling. Um, and hopefully it'll be, oh, OK, this was not as bad as we expected. And this uh, and look how it, all things turned out OK. So we hope uh, that the podcast, when people are looking at the archives of this, that that's what's said. So that's kind of my two cents, Bela. Uh, good on your end. I'm good. Let's wrap it up. OK, great. So listeners, um, we're thrilled that you joined us in our podcasting adventure. And we uh, hope that you didn't mind the kind of different format that we used uh, in this session, but we hope you found it interesting and thought-provoking. We'd again uh, like to thank Phillips Lytle LLP for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, If you need good, solid advice starting, funding, or selling a business, whether you're a single-person startup or working on a nine-figure exit, Bela and I can confidently recommend the attorneys at Phillips Lytle. Hey, Bela, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with them? The best person to contact is Rich Honan, who is a Phillips Lytle partner. And you can call him on the phone at 518- 618-1225, or you can email him at rhonan at philipslidle.com. And of course, you can find his contact information in our show notes. Thanks for joining us this week. If you have questions about what we've discussed, suggestions about topics or great potential guests for the future, please do get in touch with us. Our email is bela.and.mike at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, please do subscribe. We have lots of great guests in the pipeline. So until next week, signing off from upstate New York. Hey, Mike, have a great week. Thanks, Bela. Uh, From over here in Münster, Germany, I wish you and all of our listeners good health. Thanks. Bye. Bye.